I'm Rebecca Rothstein, and along with my co-host, Leanne Daly, we'd like to welcome you to Say It Forward. Each week, we'll be doing one of my favorite things to do, and that's interviewing interesting people with out-of-the-ordinary life stories. They're all people who took a different path in life. Some never imagined the heights they would achieve, and others, well, they turned their childhood dreams into reality. So let's begin. Today, we are welcoming sisters Lily Gross and Susan Cohen to interview both of them together because of their extraordinary family life story that they're going to tell us about. Both of them are very successful in creative fields. Lily pursued a career in fashion, developing her own clothing line, and worked with prestigious retailer Barney's New York as a personal stylist. Susan's background is in fine arts and she is the principal designer of Susan Cohen Design. She specializes in large residential projects and was featured in the TLC BBC reality show Material World. Her work has been shown in many designer publications. Lily just produced, along with her sons Brandon and Skylar Gross, an amazing documentary film about their parents, and we are going to talk about them both as this is an incredible life story. The name of this documentary is On My Way Out, The Secret Life of Nani and Poppy. Welcome. Thank you. We are going to explore your lives before you made this film. Both of you are very creative. What was the impetus in doing this story? The impetus for this was the uh, disclosure to my eldest son, to Brandon, when Susie and I decided to reveal the secret to our children. We held it for about, I would say, six weeks when I discovered this truth. And when I told my son, I could see the uh, wheels moving in his head that he decided that he wanted to make a documentary. What was the truth that you started to talk about? The truth was that my father revealed that he was a gay man. But let's backpedal a little bit because where where this becomes um, an interesting story starts with secrets as far as I'm concerned. I think taking secrets in general is a very intriguing concept for a lot of people in the way that what a secret does, the potential of a secret to change the course of your life and that there are good parts of keeping a secret, and then there are detrimental parts to keeping a secret and how that has played out in our lives, Um, my sister's life uh, with me, my parents' lives with us. For example, when my mother, she was 95, called me into her bedroom and said, Lily, come here, I want to tell you something, which was very unusual behavior for her to say something like that to me. But I did what she asked me. I sat down on the bed. She looked at me straight in the eye when she was 95 years old. So this was, I believe, three, four years ago now. And she said, Lily, your father is gay. And I looked at her with that same response that you had in the intro with us, is that overwhelming and shocking and all those feelings initially hit me. And then when I called my sister and I said, Susie, mom just told me that daddy's gay. And she said, oh, I knew that. And I said, excuse me? What, what do you mean you knew that? When did you know that? Oh, mom told me like last year or two years ago. I, 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 I don't know. I, 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 even in that moment, I couldn't even comprehend what my sister was saying, was even telling me that she knew that. And she was so matter of fact in her reaction when she told me that because at that point, I was absolutely like wow. I, I was exploding with, with emotion. And then that 
secret took on a whole life between my sister and I. And my sister and I have been best friends and extremely as close as any two sisters could possibly yeah, you two be. were always together. Yeah, always together. We shared our lives together. We had our babies together. Everybody grew up together. Our husbands are best friends. I mean, we just really had an extraordinary bond. And in that moment of when my sister said she knew that information prior to me, okay, that just started a whole, like— outrageous beginning of something that I had a very difficult time grappling that my sister withhold that information from me. But having said that, since then, of course, we've worked through that and we've come on the other side of that, which is also interesting. But my side of it was like, you should have told me. Why didn't you tell me that? That is huge. And how could you have lived knowing that information and not share that with me, your sister, about our parents who we love and adore and we're so close to. That that's life changing information. But I, I I'd like I'd like Susie to, to tell her her side of why she felt it was important to keep that secret. Well, when I did find out from my mom a year prior and I was very unexpected. She had gone to a uh, therapist for depression, and apparently she had revealed it to the therapist. I was then scheduled to have lunch with her that day, and we sat down, and she revealed to me that Daddy was gay. And I said, when did you know? And I started you know, questioning her about all the information. And she said, I don't want you to tell anybody. I don't want you to tell your children, your husband, your sister. She mentioned not to tell Lily. I was brought up that if somebody tells me a secret, I cherish that and I do not reveal it. It's just my personality. I I keep that information in my business uh, because of the clients that I have. I do not reveal anybody's business. So I had to honor that to my mother. I immediately then went to visit my father who was at the hosp- in the hospital at that time. And I literally outed him. I said, Daddy, Mommy just told me that you're gay. He burst into tears. I mean, literally burst into tears and said, oh my God, I'm so glad you know. This is like a million pound weight off my chest. And then it just came gushing out. And he's, at the end of all of that reveal, he said to me, I don't want you to tell anybody. You can't tell anybody until after we're gone. So that solidified in my mind that my parents did not want me to break their confidence. And I had to hold that in. And I did for a year. But I saw my father change in that moment. He literally became a different person. And after a year, I decided I had to share it with my sister because, you know, I didn't know how long they were going to live and they were living a long life. So I told Lily and she... You know, for me, it was like, oh, actually, I didn't tell her. She asked me, did you know that, you know, Poppy was gay? And I said, yeah, I knew because I had been living with it for a year. And I had always suspected it when I was a little bit younger because of all of the businesses that my father was in. He was a jeweler. He was a hairdresser. He was in the beauty business. But because my parents were European, we never thought anything of it. My father had a very kind of, not a feminine side, but a creative side to him. And we, you know, thought, well, this is part of his creativity, that he would go into this business. And he explained going into the hairdressing business because in the 60s, he observed when he was looking into what 
is going to make them fit into society. He would, every woman went to the beauty shop in the 60s to get their hair washed and set. He said, this is a business I'm going to go into. This is going to be a good business proposition for my family. So he went and became a hairdresser. He sent my mother to beauty school who never had, you know, as my father said, she had two left hands. But he wanted her to understand the business because they're approach was to have beauty salons and support their family not to be not because you know it was a creative business to go into it was a business decision so we didn't think anything of it that our father was a hairdresser until way later and then it all came you know the the reveals came into aha moments we had so many aha moments well so let's go back here for a second so your parents kept the secret from everybody Yes. And then they burdened you with a secret. Yes. You felt complicitous and kept that that secret because they asked you to. Yes. And probably tore you apart because she's your best friend, your sister's Not, your best friend. I had no idea that it was going to affect her so much. Had when you say I affect known, her, are you saying affect Lily? Lily. Had I known that it would have really caused a rift in our in our relationship, I would have told her probably. Had I known that. But I didn't. My initial thing was my parents didn't want anybody to know. I'm just going to stuff this. And I went on with my life. Can we go back a little bit? Because I I would like to put into context why your father kept this secret for so long. Okay. So you found this out two or three years before they passed. Yes. Yes. So it's been about four years in total from the time you found out until today as we sit here. That's right. So your dad would be 98 today. So we're going back now Mm -hmm. into the 40s, into the 1940s roughly, Mm -hmm. when Mm -hmm. he was... Um, a young man. Even back further, he knew he was gay from a very young age. My father grew up in Poland during the war, and he was Jewish. So there were two reasons why he couldn't reveal. During the war, he was a Jew and he was gay. Two reasons that he was going to be killed. He had an opportunity to come to the United States prior to the war, and then the war broke out, so that was impossible. So after the war, he calculated, I believe, that I have to get out of here to survive. It was a matter of survival. After the war, everybody looked for who was alive, and he had heard that my mother was alive in the next town. So he wrote her a note and said he wanted to come visit her. My mother was a beautiful woman when she was young. She had many opportunities for other suitors. She had boyfriends. My father was so romantic, he would write her poetry in Polish. And she was enthralled with this. So he came to visit her, and he asked her mother if he could marry her. He wrote to his cousins in Los Angeles and said, I'm married and I want to come to the United States. And they sent him papers for him and my mom to come to the United States. That's how he survived being killed. And it was a matter of survival. At that point, my mother did not know he was gay. She was did, a virgin. Were they married at that point? Did they, they get were, married? They got married in Germany in a displaced persons camp with their surviving friends and relatives. And then they came to the United States. But uh, my mother was pregnant with my sister in Germany on the boat coming over. And then Susie was born in Los Angeles. And then three and a half years later, I was born here in Los Angeles. And then just right after my birth, that's when my father felt that he did not want to live the lie of his own life and revealed that he was gay to my mother. So he'd been having – she was 20 in her early 20s, No, 30s. She was in her 30s. 30s. You know, my mother, who came to the United States, did not speak the language, did not have a trade. She didn't finish school. Her aspirations was to be a singer, and she never got to experience her desire. Her goal was to raise her children, and when she found out that daddy was gay, she said, we've made two children, you've committed to this family, 
we are going to stay together for the children and we're going to give them a good life. And that's what they did. And I also believe she was in love with him. Oh, she was absolutely in love with him till the end. Yeah. And and we can understand why. Everybody was in love with our father. You know, all our friends gravitated toward our house because our parents were very engaging and warm and just delicious to be around. So I can understand why she felt that she didn't want to leave for another man because she loved him. He was so much fun to talk to. He was wise and funny and an amazing listener, and he he was like a sage. I mean, we all went to him. He didn't want to stay. Yeah. However, this was in the 50s, and women were not empowered like they are today. She had no trade. How was she going to make a living and raise two children? She didn't have an option. My father offered for her to have affairs, to divorce him. He gave her all the outs that she might have needed. And had I known about it, I would have encouraged her to take that route, being the person that I grew up in in the 60s and 70s. But because it was the 50s, what was she going to do? How was she going to support herself? So I think that that fear of being in a country that's not your country, having a language that's not your own language, and not having a trade, she didn't have any options. Well, she also put you two first. She absolutely put us first. I was going to say, she absolutely sacrificed her own well, first, her sex life, for sure. Everything. <laughs> but she sacrificed herself for the sake of keeping our family together. And boy, they did an amazing job at that because they were extraordinary actors. And I feel that it was also genuine. There was a lot of love in there our was, house. Yeah. And we saw our parents kissing and hugging and dancing all the time. You would have never had a clue that they were not in love with each other. And they did love each other. My father also loved, adored my mother. They were they best were, friends. They were best friends. Yeah. And as my mom says in the movie, it was like brother and sister. Yeah. They were very close. They were like-minded. They had a background together. They had goals together. So they lived, at least from our point of view, a really wonderful life together. They created a life. They, they did. created a life. And that's a real thing. It's just there's this dimension that most of us get to fulfill that they didn't get to fulfill. Well, it was very interesting to me when my father, when he did come out and he knew that my son Brandon had told him that he wanted to make this documentary. So what was really extraordinary about my parents is that they showed up for us in an incredibly honest and raw way. At the end of the day, I want this to be a teaching tool on many different levels. As far as in the gay society, the LGBT, you know, I want this to be a vehicle for other gay people to liberate themselves of the anxiety of being in the closet. That was my father's motive. Yeah. And they're so relatable as a straight couple for that generation. You know, you don't sit there and go, oh, well, she should have known. You know, you go, well, they look like they a, were hugging, kissing, you know, the, the dancing. affection. 
Yeah, the affection was there, but also you could, they were very plausible as a, as a straight couple. There was also a lot of anger. Let's not dismiss the fact that there was a lot of deep-seated resentment and anger that did come out also that I was privy to as difficult and painful it was for me to witness the exchange that they had with each other. And it was so raw and so honest that it didn't even make the cut in our documentary. When you say the exchange, this happened after the reveal between the two of them. Yes. Can we go back because you just said something that I'd like to explore a little bit, that there was a lot of anger. Are you saying as you were growing up, there was anger in the helm between the two of them? I believe there was definitely anger between them that they did not let us see. But also now, like, I have a lot of aha moments, of course, when I look back and I think there were a little digs Mm -hmm. that now Mm -hmm. become perfectly crystal clear why he just wanted to burst out and say, I'm Kay, you know, release me, let me go. And because he couldn't say that, there were things that he would say that were hurtful to my mother. Right? Wouldn't you agree? I mean, every couple, especially being two people living together for so long, there's, it's not always, you know, <laughs> l- wine and roses. Yeah. I mean, they have That's disagreements, true, but, but that was a normal part of living. But now they I never, realize why, though. What was? But they never, like, it was never something like, what I would say, stop fighting. And my parents would say, we're not fighting. We're having a discussion. Yeah. That fighting would mean physical, and they would never be physical uh, in a detrimental way. It was always, a, they were having a discussion. They didn't want us to feel that they had mm-hmm. anxiety toward mm-hmm. each other. Mm-hmm. They always wanted to make us feel very safe. So let's explore this for a moment here. I, I, I really want to get to the impact on you guys, right? Your mother chooses to tell the both of you your father's secret, which she has held for all of these years. And she's the one that chose to tell you this. Mm-hmm. Now you guys hear this. Then what happens? You haven't talked to your dad yet. You've only heard this from I your have. mom. I You'd already talked to your the dad. The same day I heard it from my mom, I heard it from my dad. I heard it a year what was before. What led up for them to tell you? Well, as I said, mom had revealed it to a therapist. That was the first time I think that she revealed it. So it was raw for her, and I happened to be having lunch with her that day after the doctor's appointment, and she just let it out. So she felt a freeing already. And because I'm the oldest, she told me. She was in her 90s seeing yes. a therapist. Yes. That unto oh, be- itself is pretty well, oh, remarkable. Yes, they didn't believe in going to a therapist, but because she was experienced dementia and depression, we felt she might have needed some medication. Lily arranged for her to go to a doctor and be taken care of. So we had no idea that this was going to come out of that. Right. But when it did, I think it totally made a shift in my mom's life. And it was really the end of her. She checked out. But I, I also believe that her reveal to us was a way to communicate to us, girls, do you get it now? Mm-hmm. Do you get? Do, mm-hmm. you, do you, you get my life? Do you get my life? I mean, it it enabled, and we did get her life. It enabled us to to have so much empathy for her. I'm so, so grateful, right. that She let us know because of my opinion of her turned, you know, 360 degrees. I really never respected her when I was younger because I felt she was so dependent on my father. She didn't drive. She didn't have a key to the house. She didn't have a wallet. She finally got her driver's license, but she never drove. She always was with my father 24-7. And then I realized, 
why she was with my father. Right, but see, but but one thing that I, I, I disagree with you because you stated actually in the documentary that you felt that her dependence was because dad placed that dependence, that he wanted her to be codependent on him, that he kept her that way. And I feel it's absolutely opposite. I believe that she created that codependent relationship so that she could watch him like a hawk. I agree with you. Is that what you meant when you just said? Yes. And now we know why? Yes. You're saying that you think that she needed to keep an eye on him. Exactly. Absolutely. That's Exactly. So you're both saying the same thing. We are saying the same thing. Now we are. Yes. That was a piece in the documentary, and I actually really wanted that edited out. And it's interesting, in a documentary or any filmmaking, and that's why this process has also been so enlightening to me, that once something is on film— and it's captured. You know, that's how people perceive it. And that's what it's going to say. And you you have to go with it, whether it's true or false. That's why anything you see or read, it's all just uh, an illusion. Let's I, talk about this yeah. for a second, because you guys made a film where your parents were, your mom was not 100%, but mm-hmm. she was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Your dad was 100%. And they mm-hmm. knew you were making this film about the fact that they had submerged, let's call this a catastrophic secret, from their family for all these years and had played act that they loved each other and they were dancing and kissing and he did her hair and they were, you know, intimately, outwardly close to one another. And how did you persuade them that this was a good idea to make this film and to capture this on tape? My oldest son, Brandon, was very fortunate and had the insight to his grandparents that they were exceptional and extraordinary people many, many years ago. When he was in college, he would go to their home and he began interviewing. I think he was doing an early podcast back back in the day. And through these interviews, at the beginning, his he was tracking their relationship as role models to him. In fact, they were role models to all the grandchildren and how they all put them on a pedestal as far as like where they wanted their relationships to follow suit in the way of my parents. And what a twist for Brandon that uh, now, as he says, this whole concept of happily ever after, he had to take another look at what this looks like to him that this wasn't really what he thought it was. So when he approached my father about filming him for the reveal and the, the secret that we were all discussing, that my father was gay, I think it was just a natural progression for my parents to continue the conversation with Brandon. They were very comfortable with him. And also my parents were very trusting to every family member, all of us. We all went to each other with our problems and our situations. We do. We come together as a family. We have interventions with each other, and we trust each other. So I think it was just a very natural – it evolved very naturally, very organically. There was We didn't have to talk anybody into anything. I also have to interject that my parents – are very supportive of their grandchildren. And when they knew this was something that Brandon wanted to do, they totally trust him and, they, and they're and they honest people. I mean, honest in the fact that not maybe their secret, but in everything else of life, they were so honest about things. And how did Skylar get involved? So Skylar got involved because Brandon looks to Skylar as somebody who has been 
trained in the film world. He went to NYU. He graduated from Tisch Film School. So Schuyler brings something to the party that is extraordinarily valuable. So how Brandon sees the vision, how Brandon sees this play out is also added by Schuyler's vision as well. And really, for me, as their mother, collaborating with my two sons was another gift that my parents gave us. So this gift keeps giving mm-hmm. yes, all the time. So it's true. so incredible. And that's another thing. The fact that we were able to film this documentary and that I've seen it now maybe 10 or 12 times, the grieving process for me was lifted to such high level because I have been able to continue to live with them and hear their voices and see them visually. They've never really left me. Mm-hmm. It's been amazing. And I absolutely do believe that they knew that they were giving us this gift of them being ever-present in our lives and ever-present for everybody else who gets to see it. Did your father support the family? I would say that my parents were 50-50, equal partners. Absolutely. That he could not have been successful without my mother, and my mother would not have been successful without him. It was split down the, the center. They worked together. And actually, that's how they raised Susie and I. I mean, they continually, from, from the beginning, uh, I mean, we must have heard this 500,000 times. You are, Susie, you are my right arm. Lily, you are my left arm. So... Equality was something that was very high on their priority list. And I think that is a theme that we've all taught our children. And I think that really works. Balance. What you just said in, about your mom and that she went to the therapist and that's how this came out, but that she wa- she basically controlled your father's behavior by allowing herself to be incapable of driving and having a wallet and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So she controlled him. Oh, and it yeah. must have been a great source of sadness for him. And I, I don't think that I got from, from this up until this very minute when you said what you just said, I don't think I realized how controlling she was. I didn't either until the end. That was the aha moment. Oh, my God. That's why she was the person she was, because she wanted to make sure she had her her eye on my dad. They worked together. They shopped together. They cooked together. They cleaned the house together. They did everything. They were glued at the hip. And she did that. Yes, yes, she did. And he oh, went absolutely. along. So what was he the reason to, he why along he they, was complicit? Because they made a pact together. They made a deal. And when I had to come to terms with that, that I thought it was wrong for them to do that, when I came to terms with it, I realized Lily and I had nothing to do with that. It was their deal with each other to live their lives the way they chose. And they created such a beautiful picture that we were part of their story and they lived that life because they made the deal. One way or the other, they had to accept the consequences for their own actions. And we we have an opinion about it, but it was their life to live. So I was in high school. I must have been 15 or 16 years old. And Susie had just left for college. She had just moved out of the house. And so I was living alone with mom and dad. And my father just left and took off for Palm Springs. And it was like... Bye-bye. Yeah, (laughs) it was like getting into like the second week, which was highly unusual. And uh, I was busy in my own life, but I think I might have spoken to my mom for five minutes and said, Mommy, where's dad? 
Where's daddy? Where'd he go? Oh, he went to Palm Springs. Well, for how long? And I could see that she was upset, but he said, she she explained to me that she felt that he was going through a change of life, whatever that meant. I didn't even know what that meant at that time, but that, you know, that he would return. So he did. He came home. Okay, everything went back to normal or whatever. But then the following week, he left again. Well, this was very strange and very bizarre. And I reacted very negatively and asked what happened again. And I could see that my mother was out of sorts. And when my father returned, I remember feeling that same empowerment for the first time in my life. What mom did to daddy, I did. Because when my father returned, I looked at him, I sat down with him and I said, daddy, if you ever leave our family again, I will never speak to you. What do you think you're doing? Excuse me? Like, what is going on? No, this is out of the question. You are, you can never leave again. In other words, I will hate you and I will never speak to you wow. again. So I remember feeling so threatened and the feeling of being abandoned by him that I feel his head was spinning around and that he was listening to my mother coming through my voice. So he had two women in his life, and he was that person. He, and so he once again came back into the into yes. the controlled situation that he yes. was living in. Absolutely. Do you remember this happening? I was away in college, and I was disconnected to anything. I think I heard about it, that Daddy went to Palm Springs. Didn't think anything of it, because my parents were always going to Palm Springs. I mean, together. That, together. That was a destination that they went on vacation together. What and do you think he was doing when he was down in Palm Springs? Uh-huh. I, Living I, his authentic self, probably. Yeah. Well, but I wasn't thinking that. There was... Uh, well, you didn't think that. No, that's what we think now. You just felt some energy that was threatening you. Yes, Yes. I felt something's something's wrong here. Why is he going for that length of time? And I also remember there was that time he was dyeing his hair. Uh, to, but to, they were in the beauty business. So right. That wasn't, so uh, it didn't uh, seem that strange. But yeah. but his hair was dyed. He, didn't, he wasn't going gray naturally. He was dyeing his hair. And then shortly after that, I remember he, he let his gray hair come in. And my mother explained, you see, this, he's having a hard time facing that he's getting older. And that was her way of explaining that he needed to get away because he was having emotional problems in that way. So, okay, so I digested that and I understood that. But still, it was like, no, you are not rocking the boat here. Don't even think about doing that because you will lose me. And we were – he was my best friend, by the way. He was my best friend in the world. I told my father when I got my period. I told my father when I lost my virginity. I mean, we're talking, he was my best friend, girlfriend, Mm -hmm. boyfriend, father, slash. I didn't tell my mother. She could be sitting in the room. That was fine. She could be sitting on the chair. But my dialogue was directed toward my father because the way he spoke to me or the way he spoke to anyone, Mm -hmm. he had this angelic voice. Like he could be so angry at me. But the way he yelled at me was so sweet. (laughs) And you listened to what he also was very manipulative. He had a way of making you do what he wanted to, but in a very soft, tender way. For example, when I was dating somebody that he was not, or both my parents were not 
uh, excited about or that <laughs> thrilled about, <laughs> not pleased with for various reasons, he would say, these are the reasons that I think what you're doing is wrong and stupid and everything else. These are the reasons. But you know what? It's your life. You make your bed. And if that's what you want to do, go ahead. Well, of course, in the end, <laughs> I'd go, oh. So he put all the information out, his he, wisdom. Right. And let you just choose. Choose whatever cookie you chose to eat. Absolutely. From that and mm-hmm. I felt he would stand by me and still love me. But uh, if I felt that I was going to jeopardize my relationship with him, mm, I wasn't really willing to do that because our bond was so tight. And so, I mean, I he was just everything to me. In fact, even to the point where our husbands, I believe I'll, I'll speak for my own husband of 40 years, he, he loved that I had that relationship with my father. There was no threat. My father never posed a threat that he was the man in my life, but that my husband had a incredible bond with my father as well. So my father really, if he liked you, which was mostly everyone, you got to be in his world and everyone wanted to live there, live in that space with him. So I could see why my mother wanted to be with him as well, even though at the end of the day, she wasn't getting 100%. But then is there 100% for anyone? So, well, you know, this is, you know, it's that's very a, complicated. Was that like, for the, was that for you Absolutely. as well? Being the oldest, of course, I had more opportunities. And my parents really treated me like the princess. They gave me the master bedroom when we moved into our new house. My parents literally, <laughs> now the aha moment is, I thought they were so cool because they gave me the master bedroom. I was the oldest. They wanted me to have the most room when my friends came over. Now I realize they could care less about sleeping together and being in the master bedroom. But they still gifted me with the master bedroom. My father was all, I talked to him about my problems with girlfriends, with boyfriends, never my mom, only my dad. And as Lily said, he would always, he had poppyisms. I mean, he you know, like, make your bed, you lie in it. You, you, I, I've written down all of his sayings. I'm keeping a list of his sayings because they were all so um, profound. He would say to me, when I, I, it took me like a year to convince my parents to let me go away to college because, you know, First of all, I was the first person to go to college, and I wanted to go out of state, and they couldn't understand why I would want to leave California and be the oldest. You you don't leave the house until you're married. So it took me a long time to convince them. And my father would say to me, Susie, why do you always listen to me? I said, Daddy, because you're always right. He he wanted me to argue with him and, and give him my impression of whatever I wanted. But I would really always listen to him because he was always right. He would explain himself in such a kind but clear manner that I would know that that was the right thing to do. I finally did convince him to go away to college. But the deal was... I could go away for one year and then I would have to come home. (laughs) Well, I met my future husband the first month there. So they thought, oh, good investment. She'll get married. They didn't think she'll get a degree, but they think she'll get married. So they let me stay for four years. It sounds like your dad was pleasant and joyous and, you know, easy to be around, even though he himself 
was profoundly sad about the choices that he had made. They created a very warm and loving family environment. We never felt that it was uncomfortable to be at our house. We loved being home. We had dinner together every night as a family, sat down to dinner no matter what. But to your point, yes, I think my father's heart was breaking, breaking. With the exception of he relished in having children, having my sister and I, he relished in his grandchildren, yes, but he was a broken-hearted man that he was not living with another man, that he was not experiencing his life being a Do you a know that man. now or do you only know that when you look back? I knew it the moment he revealed that truth. I knew absolutely that he was broken-hearted, and they both were to a major extent, because my mother knew that she wasn't getting the type of love that she had envisioned for herself in a marriage. But my father was brokenhearted. And if he wasn't, he wouldn't have had as many affairs that he did. He went to Rome. He had an affair. He definitely had affairs. But what he said to us that he never experienced being in love with another man because he could only have these fleeting affairs. So there was no depth to any of the affairs that he had. And when he came out of the closet, he didn't just come out and say, yes, I'm a gay man. No, he came out as a queen. I mean, he made the very most of it the last few years of his life. I witnessed his personality transform into somebody that I didn't know. I didn't know who this person was at all. It was extraordinary. It was as if somebody was trapped in his body and that he was able to unveil his true self to us. I mean, as I was sitting on the other side of him when we were interviewing him and you you didn't see me, I was hidden. If you could see me, if I could have really expressed how I felt by what he was saying, you would have been able to hear my shock and my holding my breath to hear like, wow, wow, I cannot believe this is who my father is and this is who he always has been. I mean, I found men for him to come over to his apartment, gay men, to have private moments with. In his 90s. Yes, in his 90s. I mean, and he, and I brought these men over. Oh, it was really crazy the way that the avenues that we had to find these these Men that were age appropriate. Who they weren't age appropriate. It was very (laughs) difficult. But we were upfront with some of these men about my father's story. And my dad was, he was hilarious. He was really funny because I remember I brought this one guy in and he had really long hair and his hair didn't seem that clean. Okay. And my father looked across across the uh, seat from him and he said, so let me ask you something. If I were to spend time with you, would you consider cutting that ponytail off? <laughs> I mean, so, and then, and this guy was like, uh, well, I'd have to uh, think about that for, for a while, but maybe, yes. And then as this gentleman left, my father gave me a nudge and a look and said, Lily, would you sleep with him? <laughs> and uh, I'm like, um, well, he always had good taste. He, he did. He and always he was, had, he was impeccable. His standards were high. His standards were Even high. Even though but, he was in his 90s. He yep. wanted somebody, you know, he wanted what he wanted. You both sound like you were more forgiving of your father keeping this secret. 
Thank you for saying that because we've dominated the hour in talking about our father. And because he was able to be so much more vocal with us, he comes to our minds easier. Mm -hmm. And that we stuff mom down. Just like, and well, not me. I've like elevated her to a new position in my mind. I totally have a such a different outlook. Wish I, I have regret that I didn't have the relationship with her, but it's not my fault. I didn't know. Well, she that's the way she presented. She was more aloof because I don't feel she could. If she got too close to Lily and I, she would probably reveal the secret. So she kind of kept a little bit of a distance. And it was easy to be with my dad. So it was just a natural thing. Always or just at the Always. End? Always. Always. But there are things she about She was the disciplinarian, her... and, he, and he was the, like, here, Susie, here's uh, $20, you know. She was the more firm one, and she wore the pants in the family. Are you annoyed or disappointed or, I'm you know, disappointed. any other words come to my mind that she insisted that your father keep the secret? Would you have preferred to have known this earlier? That's a very interesting question because that would I, have shaken I, up our I, life. I ponder that and I look at that. Of course, we can't change what happened, but I do think back how different our lives would have been. And I do believe now this comes back to the original topic of secrets in general. Had they revealed this to us, let's just say when we were teenagers when I feel that dad was feeling the most promiscuous at mm -hmm. that point. He was younger. Had they revealed it, yeah, our lives would have looked entirely different. However, I do believe in the strength and the power of love. And I think that all of us would have survived. Our family would have definitely been broken up at that point because then my father would have moved out. But I believe that... Our lives would be just as rich. They just would have, it would have been very, very, very different. But I look back on it and I think, thank goodness we were born. Thank goodness that happened. But I believe that if they would have come clean, that they perhaps would have had a chance to live their lives in a in a, in a different way that could have been happier. Maybe my mother would not have been so frustrated and she would have found love. But there, it's, it's just, you know, it's like throw caution to the wind. You just don't know. And that's it. You, I think you have to take those chances in life. You have to believe that speaking your truth at the end of the day, that things will work out in your favor. I just think there was just too much fear involved, but our lives would have been so different. I am so grateful how it turned out. They sacrificed their lives for Lily and I and Is our that, children. Do you think that's right? Absolutely. That was the deal. I think mom's the hero of the story, but they both sacrificed their lives for us to have an extraordinary lives, normal lives, but loving lives. So do you think that people in marriages today, if we bring it to today's society— do you think that once you have children and you are not happy in your marriage, that's a question. Should you should you should you break up your marriage or should you sacrifice your lives for your children? I think it's an individual thing and as daddy said in the film in the beginning, you know, only in America you you have a fight, you get divorced. I think the because our family was so strong and bonded, th that's why we're bringing up children that are 
well-adjusted. I think the family unit is really, really important. I think that having the grandparents having such an effect on our children has been a very positive thing. Had they have broken up when we were young, you're right, we would have had totally different lives, maybe happy, but why even ask the question? Because that was not our life. Our life was extraordinary because they sacrificed. So it was their decision. If it happened today, I'm sure they would have gotten divorced if they lived our life. Well, had it happened today, that they would have gotten divorced. So I think that's a very interesting commentary on our society yes. today. Because I have a 22-year-old daughter, Sydney. Now, I thought it was very interesting to experience her reaction to her grandfather coming out of the closet as opposed to her brother, who's 15 years her senior, where Brandon was very very surprised and shocked. And my daughter, at the time, she was maybe 19 years old. She was like, so what else is new? When are we eating? <laughs> uh, so two things that she's not surprised about. Oh, my friend's parents are getting divorced and my grandfather's gay. All right. So what else is new? Yeah. It's just very interesting the way society has evolved. Unfortunately, however, being gay still in our world has not evolved to the point where it should be because there are still countries where you could go to jail or be put to death. Oh, listen, in America, they still don't think that gay people should get married. Well, so my overriding thing when I watched the film and listened to you two talk today, I think your mother really controlled the story. Yeah. And I think that she um, had her own heartache over this. But it seems to me that... By controlling the story, she got what she wanted. But when she lost control of the story, when she was in her early 90s and she lost control of the story, she sped more quickly to her end because she couldn't, she didn't control that story anymore. You're spot on. You're yes. spot on. And and one story I, I would like to tell you about my mother is that because she really is my hero, she really was actually fearless. So I don't think it was actually fear that kept her from leaving her marriage because she was somebody who would walk up to, whether it be a housekeeper that she was trying to get us, and she would walk up to that person and engage conversation. Or if it was the CEO, Steven Spielberg, she would approach anybody in life and saw them as the same person. But if it felt like it was a means to an end for her, she would go after what she wanted. And I channel her <laughs> so many times in my life now when I feel that I have a moment of trepidation that I want to approach somebody or something or get anything. I just put her right into my brain and say, what would mommy do in this particular instance? And I charge on and I go for it. Sometimes maybe I <laughs> I do it and I and and we would be slightly embarrassed sometimes, right? She would embarrass us. My children are frequently embarrassed by some right. of the things and I, I do. <laughs> and, and, you know, I say that now because I see I, I do embarrass my children and they're constantly trying to rein me. In fact, even on this podcast, <laughs> Brandon briefed me last night and said, okay, mom. <laughs> when you go tomorrow. Yeah, when you go together, you know. Uh, do you think that her dementia sped up 
when she lost control of the story? Yes, absolutely. Yes. absolutely. Well, the mo- you can see in the film when Lily confronts her with Daddy being gay, and she says, "Did Susie tell you?" Right. So she's thinking, "I've revealed the secret to my sister, which she asked me not to." And Lily goes, "No, Susie didn't tell me. You told me. She didn't remember mm-hmm. that she told Lily." So she. At that moment, I see that she, and then she says she doesn't want to talk about it. She shut down. The moment it was out, she shut down. So I had a conversation with her a couple years ago after the uh, reveal came out, and she was getting used to the fact that we all knew and we were talking about it on the open. Not so much with her, but I had this private conversation with her, and I said, okay, Mommy, I noticed that there's a man here that lives in your building who seems that he's very interested in you. And her first reaction was, yes, but, you know, I don't know. What are you saying? What are you suggesting? And I said, I'm suggesting that, you know, you have dinner with him and flirt with him. And she warmed up to the idea. And it was, and I said, Mommy, are you going to do it? She said, yes, I'm going to do it. And it was such an exciting breakthrough moment that I could see where (laughs) she was 96. that she said, you know what? Yes, I'm going to flirt with, I'm going to, I'm going to hang out with another man. Like, Forget your father. Okay, I'm done with that. Because he came out, he's doing his thing, I'm going to do mine. At 96. (laughs) Yes, but you know what? I was so happy. And that was, you know, so it wasn't the secret that just paid off for for my father. The secret paid off for her. And there was another time, and which also, unfortunately, was left on the cutting floor and didn't make into the documentary. But it was a conversation that I had with my mom about sex, which she never, of course, now we realize she never wanted to talk about sex with us. Because, again, that might just boomerang right back to her, which that wasn't going to happen for her. So I said, so, Mommy, so now that I realize that you haven't had sex that much with Daddy, and another aha moment was that she would say to us, I was so stupid for being a virgin until I met your father. She had said that many times to us. And now, of course, I understand why. So I had this conversation. I said, Mommy, you know what? We could do something really fun together. We could go to a place called the Pleasure Chest. It's a sex (laughs) shop. And she looked at me wide-eyed and she said, what? I said, yes, it'll be so much fun. We will go down the aisles. You know, I said, Mom, you don't even need Daddy. You can, we can buy things. You're going to have fun with yourself. And she laughed you out can't loud. Make this up. <laughs> no, so she laughed out loud. She was crying. She was laughing so hard. I remember telling your daughters, and they were a little bit miffed at me because they they were like, "How could you talk to Nani about that?" And I'm like, "Are you kidding? <laughs> How could I not? Yeah. How could I not?" Right. So that is a conversation that I will take with me until the end of my days. That was another Mm. gift of the reveal that I had for myself, that I could have that moment with my mother that we didn't have all our lives because we couldn't be those real people. But also, Lily embraced the fact that Daddy was gay. She immediately decided to take him to the LGBT Senior Center. I mean, that was extraordinary. He would have never had that opportunity. She would take him to West Hollywood and drive him down Santa Monica Boulevard, and he had no idea that these places existed. When we were driving down in West Hollywood on Santa Monica in Gay Town, and I'd say, "Daddy, look at those guys coming out of that," and he'd go, "Oh my God, look at them! They're..." 
gorgeous. Yeah. And I said, do you want to stop and look? And I remember it was, it was, it was a field trip. We yeah. were having, we, I would take him on these field trips and go, he goes, I can't believe this even exists. This is amazing. And so it was really, I mean, thank God they didn't go to the grave with this secret. And thank God this is out for everybody to share in this awakening, this really wonderful, beautiful awakening. Is the film being used to educate. I noticed at the end you you were thanking people like Ellen DeGeneres and other sort of luminaries of the LGBT community. Is it being used as a tool? Will absolutely, it be used as a tool? Absolutely. And also we are currently in development in uh, a scripted version of this film. So that's very, very exciting for us. So that as I stated, so much so much footage was left on the editing floor because we had a 40-minute time limit. So now we're going to be able to create this beautiful story in a scripted version. And yes, our intention is to use it as a tool, absolutely. And we'll be traveling to Europe to film festivals because we want to expose this to as many cultures as possible. And um, my father wanted this to be used as a teaching tool. In fact, a gentleman from the LG LGBT trip, who was so fabulous. In fact, he was so great looking that my dad and I were actually fighting over him. I was, I was really insistent. When we left the LGBT center and we met Trip, LGBT GT. Oh, GT. Sorry, LGBT GT. I hope. And now that, there's that's... a Q at the end. Yes. Okay. And let's you know give okay. them the proper Q. acknowledgement. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. So. When Daddy and I met Tripp, he was just the most incredible person who embraced my father with such love, love, and compassion. And yes, and he's so good looking. When we got back in the car, I said, Daddy, I don't know. I'm not sure he's gay, and he's so cute. I want to spend time with him. And my father gave me a look like, are you kidding? He is definitely gay, and you're married, by the way. <laughs> he's mine. So he's mine. And, you know, all of that, that was so much fun, actually, to be able to have that kind of playtime. But Tripp brought a Berkeley student over to my father's apartment and asked my dad if he would mentor him because this particular young man had not come out of the closet and was struggling and having difficulty. And we were able to film that. And it was really an amazing hour where my father was able to impart incredible words to him as far as being strong and saying, don't do what I did. Don't be the person I am. Don't have a life of secrecy. Mm -hmm. Come out. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid. You'll see. The world will embrace you. And Mm -hmm. it really was amazing. And it it was a continuation of all those conversations he had with you guys as young kids and all your friends. So it was a skill set that was they're just waiting to be applied in this new way. Yes, yes. I want to know how Howie yes. Mandel got involved with you in this. Thank you for asking that. That was really just serendipitous and um, really just another magical moment. So Brandon was working at YouTube, the YouTube studios and Howie had come in for a meeting with Brandon's team. Brandon recognized Howie because Howie is somebody that my husband and I were friendly with. We were neighbors in Malibu together with Howie and his wonderful wife, Terry, and their children, actually. Their their daughter, Jackie, was very good friends with my son, Skylar. So we had this past history together. But now, cut to years later, when Howie came into YouTube, Brandon 
Brandon was walking Howie back to his car and just casually said, or Howie must have said, so what's what's up with you? What are you doing now? And he said, oh, I'm just working on this story. Uh, my grandfather recently, he's 95, and he recently just came out of the closet as being gay. And <laughs> Howie, I'm sure at that in that moment, I wasn't there, but as the story goes, said, excuse me, can you please repeat what you just said? And Brandon, in his very casual, understated way, just explained the short story to Howie. And in that moment, Howie said, I'd like you to meet me at my office in Santa Monica this week. And Brandon called me up and said, you know, I saw Howie Mandel and and repeated the story to me and said, Mom, come with me. Let's uh, go see Howie. And I said, fantastic. So when when we went for the meeting, the meeting was just so amazing because we just rode this wave with Howie in a 45 minutes to an hour that was our minds just collided instantly in the vision that we all had for the film going forward. At that moment, we just had a teaser, like a five-minute teaser. And Brandon and I and Skylar were discussing, we wonder what life this is going to take. We didn't know. But there was Howie. He just he just showed and up. he's so funny. Yeah. And, he, and also, I, I want to say, in the parking lot, he looked at Brandon and said, on my way out. I mean, he just called it right there on the spot because Howie has that incredibly talented, (laughs) fantastic mind that just saw it and just put it together in that moment. So we were very, very fortunate and so lucky to have Howie come on board as executive producer and said to Brandon and I in that moment, Skylar wasn't there, he was in New York, this is your story I don't want to change it. I want you to tell it. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be your backers and I'm here for you, whatever you need. And he was. He mm-hmm. showed up in the most beautiful way. And it was a del- it's been a delight and a joy to be doing a Q&As with him. This is the most amazing story. I would also like to add that the Thank intimacy you. between you two sisters is amazing. And it makes me want to cry to see the two mm-hmm. of you together. And you guys have dealt with something that is it's it's absolutely inconceivable that you had this story laid on your laps at your age and your parents were the age that they were. So I'm so grateful that you shared the story with us. I really, really want Thanks, to cry. Oh, thank you so yeah, much. No, you. really, yes. thank you so much for inviting us. Next time, you'll meet Clint Carnell, founder and executive chairman of the Orange Twist brand, which is a leading chain of skin treatments featuring everything from cool sculpting to hydrofacials and Botox to all therapy. His business career began when he graduated from Duke University, where he showcased his soccer abilities as a parade All-American and as a member of the youth national team. Today, Clint is a mover and shaker in the explosive field of non-surgical skin health with a broad and deep experience in non-invasive aesthetics working with multinationals such as Bausch & Lamb and Gambro Healthcare. He is currently CEO of the Hydrofacial Company, a fast-growing and well-recognized private equity-backed aesthetics company where he championed and rebranded the company in 2017. Clint drove the company strategy and culture shift that has resulted in explosive revenue growth and rapidly growing global recognition. So join us when we rewind to the beginning with Clint Cornell on the next Say It Forward. Thanks for listening to Say It Forward. Help us grow by subscribing to our podcast. Please subscribe on iTunes or at www.sayitforwardpodcast.com. 
www.thepowerofpositivity.com. Don't forget to rate and review us on the iTunes store or like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. 